Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. A terrorist came over the hill. He'd been out in the desert, and he was thirsty, crawling. And he comes over the hill, and he sees a little Jewish guy. And he's selling ties for $5. And the terrorist says, I want water. He says, I don't have water, but I'll sell you a tie for $5. And he says, I don't need a tie. I want water. He says, great ties, great ties. And he got frustrated, and so he started cussing the little Jewish guy, and the guy said, okay, all right, you don't want a tie. He says, you want water. Over the hill, just further along, there's a restaurant, great food, and they've got water, all you can drink. And he said, good, if I had strength, I would choke you. And he crawls off, goes off the hill. About three hours later, he comes back and he said, I need a tie. He said, why? He says, they won't let me in without a tie. (laughs) Get this sometimes. Sometimes you're being offered something you think is useless. And every now and then you got to look at it and just say, I don't know if I'm going to need this or not, but. I think I'm going to get it. Sometime in your journey, as you're walking with God, you discover that God gives you things and they look important, and he gives you things and they don't look important. And I love that, uh, I love that movie, the, the Last Crusade, where the guy is trying to pick which chalice Jesus would have used, and he picked the one that had all of the jewels on it and everything, and he drank it and... And, um, and he evaporated. And the old knight looks at the others and he said, he chose poorly. <laughs> I think it's important to recognize when it's time to make a choice, don't make the choice as obvious as you think it ought to be. Wow. When I saw my wife for the first time, I was preaching in a conference in um, Canton, Ohio. Canton is one of my security deals. Now, when you said uh, he could no longer be your best friend, you, you meant as a security answer, right? Uh, <laughs> I wanted to get that sorted out before we went anywhere else. But I, I figured that's what he was saying, but... Everybody else heard it, so I thought, we need to clear that up for the whole church. But Canton is where I met Barbara, and um, she was out in the audience, and it's a, it's a long story, but, um, and if she were here, she could tell it, and the ladies would love all the details that get thrown into it. But she had asked the Lord, her husband had died in a really tragic car accident, and um, And she had asked the Lord, if you want me to get married again, 
which I don't want to do, but if that's what you want me to do, I want you to show me my husband in a dream so that I can know him. And so uh, she came. I didn't know she had prayed a prayer like that, but when she walked in and, and I could see her sitting in the back, she's, she is gorgeous. She's, she's 83 years old and she's gorgeous, still gorgeous. And, um, and when I saw her, I, I thought of that verse in, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and I see what I want. And, um, <laughs> and then we got married and then uh, <laughs> you, know, you get to that part where he makes you to lie down in green pastures and, and there are all kinds of things that emerge out of that. But it was, it, it's been, it's been an amazing journey, but about two weeks after we were married, she was lying in the bed next to me and, um, and I took this picture of, well, I took a picture a couple of days ago, but 50 years ago, I took this picture and, and, and I'm looking at her and, and she says, she woke up and she says, what are you, what are you thinking? I said, I, I don't feel like I'm married. And she said, well, just adjust your feelings to the facts. And I did. And I've been married for 50 years. Sometimes your need is to adjust where you are to who you are, to what God's called you to do and be, and settle in and watch him do amazing things in your life. Are you breathing? So go with me now to some scriptures, and uh, I sent them ahead, and I hope, did you get them? He did, okay. Have you ever heard lately anybody say, somebody needs to do something? Somebody needs to do, have you ever not heard that expression? Somebody, have you ever said it? And the question for me is, it's always somebody who is saying somebody. Somebody needs to do something. And our piece today is that if you see it, then you ought to do something about it. But don't look around for somebody to do something. And I'm, I want to just speak just for a brief moment from this text or this statement. I am the word. I am the answer. And I have a purpose. I am the answer. And I have a purpose. Go with me to John 18, verse 37. I'm reading from the ESV. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Hey, has anybody seen these movie series, The Chosen? Yes. Have you really? I've been, I've been overdosing on them. It's amazing. Yes. So I'm back to the text, sorry. I had an ADD moment. I'll have several of those, and you might recognize them in the, the moment. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king? For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. The phrase that I want to pick up is that sentence, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness. Witness to the truth. Everyone who, 
everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Um, they blame the quote on, on Mark Twain. But the problem is that no one can really uh, determine where the quote comes from. But here's the quote. The two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. The day you were born and the day you find out why. It's, it's like the moment you find out why, everything falls into place. It, your, your sufferings, your joys, your likes, your dislikes, the people you love, the ones you hate, it all, it all comes into focus in that moment when you find it out. It's like the day you knew that God had called you to lead people into his presence. It changes everything. It changes your focus. It changes who you are. This man is an amazing, he's an amazing exhorter. And there are times when, and, and he's, he's up here today, and, and he's saying things. I'm saying, where did he get that? And uh, where was it that we were put in, into a little uh, plastic bag or something? He said, yeah, let's put it into a Ziploc. I said, that's cute. Let me see. And so I'm, I made a mental note. So I'm going to take that. I'll steal that. Creativity. Uh, uh, the secret of creativity is concealing your sources. It's really what it is. But each time I've heard him, he motivates people. He encourages people. He exhorts people. And that, the, that thing that's in him, even if he's depressed, he can't let you be depressed. Because there's this desire to see you become who God wanted you to be. He's got, you've got purpose. There's something that God's calling you to. And he brought you here so that you could find a safe place to become what he has in store for you all along. So there's something that you can be comfortable with. And it's this, that God has a purpose for you. And that that purpose is more unfolding in your life today than it ever was. You're great at what you do, but God says, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing. And I think God does say ain't every now and then. So John 18, 37, I want us to go to now to Jeremiah. Jeremiah verse, chapter one, verse five. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Would you say that? Now, if you're taking notes, I'm going to suggest, I'm just going to suggest, you can do whatever you want to with it. But when he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Here's the statement I want you to say. Existence precedes conception. Existence precedes. In other words, before you were conceived, I knew you. You had an existence. I knew you. I knew you intimately. I knew all the pages of your book. Psalm 139, you ought to just read that once in a while to get it into your heart. That this idea of where birth begins, when it starts, who's involved and all of that. It's real clear that babies are persons. But you were a person before you were a baby. 
And that's what God is wanting to say. Existence precedes conception. Then he says, before you were born, I set you apart. Before you were born, I set you apart. Somebody say that. Before you were born, I... Now, in the translation, it says consecrated, and that's the, that's the Hebrew word for sanctified, to when you set something apart. Some people don't know what it means to be set apart, to be holy for God. Uh, a lot of people are struggling to be holy, and you can see it in their genes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I just love holy genes. That's what we're going to these guys. Every I see them, I just say, I don't know how that works, but okay, all right. But consecrate it. Consecrate, the best illustration I have for consecration is this. One day my wife saw me walking out of the kitchen with a big stainless steel pot in which she makes bread and which spaghetti and stuff like that. Huge, huge family. We had a tribe of eaters. She says, where are you going with that pot? I said, I need something to, because I got to wash my, the rims on my car. And she screamed. She just screamed. I said, I'm going to wash it out. It's going to be okay. She says, no. She says, once you use it for that, I can no longer use it for this. Because that was set apart for something special. You're going to deconsecrate it. Y'all there? So when, when he says... I set you apart before you were born. There are several illustrations in the scriptures where somebody was set apart when Jacob and Esau were struggling in their mother's womb. God said to the mom, the younger is going to lead or the older is going to serve the younger. I've already made that happen. I've already set it apart that you and I were not something that just happened in God's purpose and you came and God says, never saw that coming. All right, so let me just figure out. I got something for you. I can make it happen. I'm God. I can get this together. But God already had a reason for coming. Purpose is the reason something exists. What is this? It's not just a microphone. What kind of microphone? wireless microphone why is it here why do we have a wireless microphone look I can move around but what's wrong why couldn't I move around with the other ones look, this, this idea of, of something is in existence anything that's in existence had a purpose before it existed somebody wanted a microphone that could do look what this one did God knows that you need something and he just fashions it for you. This, this, uh, this ministry where you were, you're going, uh, my wife and I went and, uh, and they told us, they said, you have the exact person God created for you. And I said, okay, amen. And then they begin to tell me why. And I realized that I could not have had a more perfect partner, a more fashionable play, a, a more diligent, more, I mean, she's, she's a more anything. But all of that, if, if you need someone in your life to sustain you, encourage you, watch over you, guard you from other women, um, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the one. 
I, and she could say, I have a purpose, honey. She says, she says don't, don't even worry about it. She says, I've got these antenna, and I know when they show up, I see them coming. She says, I see them coming across the room. And, uh, <laughs> purpose. Somebody say purpose. Purpose precedes birth. Before you were born, I set you apart. Before you were born, I set you apart. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to say these words. I have a purpose. It's the purpose God intended when he created me. He created me first in his mind to be what he wanted me to be. I thank him for it. I trust him for it. I receive his purpose. He says, I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. So, pieces. Existence precedes conception. Purpose precedes birth. Assignment precedes awareness. If we have a work day, and you give us your name and what your duties are and what your skills are. You show up and we say, what's your name? And you say, well, I'm just here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And we say, what's your name? What do you do? And we look at the list and we say, okay, here is your assignment. You had an assignment before you were aware of it. Some of you are discovering, I'm really good at giving. I'm really good at receiving. I'm good at serving. I'm good at this. But it doesn't happen until you become aware. And sometimes the passenger simply says, you know what? You would make a really good, and it dawns on you. Wow. Yes. When God said to Jeremiah, I've got something for you to do. Jeremiah spoke back to God. He said, God, are you sure you got the right Jeremiah? And he tells him, he says, I'm just a child. I'm a young person. I don't know how to speak. And God says, don't tell me who you are. Let me tell you who you are. See, don't tell God, this is who I am. God says, no, no, I know who you are, son. Let me tell you who you are. And so Jeremiah says, I don't know how to speak. And so God gives him a vision. He says, what do you see right there? He says, I see the rod of an almond tree. He said, all right, so you do know how to speak. (laughs) Now, the problem is that when you know know how to speak and you aren't working with that, then something else happens. And I want you to get this, please, because our primary goal, and I want to to give you several phrases because you are in transition and you will be in transition until Jesus comes. But you are going from glory to glory. I love the passage in Psalm 80, uh, 80, 84 where he says, and we go from strength to strength, right? We go from strength to strength. We go from glory to glory. We go from grace to grace. And between every one of those transitions, there is something else that you have to deal with. In other words, before I go from from this strength to my next strength, I'm going to go through a a place of of weakness and and I can't figure it out. And you're saying, God, 
I go from faith to faith. How do you go from faith to faith? You go through a real strong season of doubt. Wow, yeah. And the problem is that in the English language, that little word, to, T-O, just to, it's a two. You think, I read the text, I go from strength to strength. But imagine that two having about a thousand O's. T-O. So you're going from strength, come on, to... What's between the strength? Oh, a season of weakness like you haven't experienced before, man. I'm God. I don't know what's going on. My faith. What's happening to my faith? God, increase my faith. He says, okay, you asked. That's what I said. I want to I be where you are. He said, well, then you have to leave there. Strength to strength. Faith to faith. Glory to glory. Glory to glory. If Glory to, what's between glory and glory? Just drop the L. Glory. <laughs> it got rough. It, it just, it got rough. So here's what I want you to say. I'm going to give you several phrases. I'm getting you ready for your next move. Now, when Pastor David or Pastor Nicole, one of them said, this will be our last Sunday here. She was announcing that. Was it the 31st? This will be our last Sunday. What did you all do? You cheered. You cheered. It was like you weren't understanding that God gave you this place <laughs> before he gave you another place. And so it's like a friend of mine, because I was looking back on my Pentecostal holiness experience where you couldn't watch television and couldn't, couldn't straighten your hair and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I ridiculed it after I got out of it. But one of my friends said, don't kick your playpen. Somewhere you were held onto by some kind of crazy legalistic ministry that didn't let you go to hell and now you're saved but now you, you're you gloriously and wondrously and mature and enjoying Jesus no no it held on to you don't despise your heritage don't kick your playpen. Get excited about it. Be excited that somebody else can come to this place and pick up the flavor and the aroma of all that's gone on in here. You haven't wasted time here. As I was coming and listening to the worship, I thought, man, they're going to miss this. I could hear it out there in the lobby. They're going to miss this. Something has been deposited here. Don't underestimate where you are and what God's doing in your life. A Baptist minister and a Catholic priest were fishing, and uh, every time a car would come past, they would hold a sign up that said, the end is near. And people would scream at it and yell and tell them where to go. And then about 20 minutes or, no, two minutes later, they would hear a splash where the car had gone off into the river. And... Uh, and so the one guy says, do you think maybe we need to put the sign that says, the bridge is out? 
We need to get our message clear. Where are we going from here? So you've got several goals, all right? One of them is this, to get people connected with God. The second one is get people connected with each other. And then the third is to get people connected with their purpose. I want to give you several statements and then I'm going to be done. Praise the Lord who said that. <laughs> All right, then you're going to stay longer in class. <laughs> going to keep you around. Y'all can go, but he stays. All right. All right. Each one of these statements I want you to de declare. All right. I have a purpose. No, no, I said declare it. I mean, it's like, I just told you you have a purpose. Now, settle in on it. Even if you don't know what it is, you know that he has it. All right? Say it again. I have a purpose. I have a purpose. All right? Secondly, I want you to say, my purpose is to win the loss to Jesus Christ. Third statement, I can best fulfill my purpose on a team. Number four, I will never be satisfied until I am fulfilling my purpose. The last statement is, I have no promise for tomorrow. Now let's look at the first one. Jesus had a purpose, and when he talks about purpose, the, the thing I love most about the statement of Jesus' purpose is in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It says, the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God appeared. For this purpose, I think one translation says, for this purpose, the Son of God appeared to destroy the devil's works. When, when Pastor John was talking about, about believing that in the shout, cancer could be taken care of. In the shout, healing. I was waiting for him to say COVID-19, but he, he didn't get there. But that's the work of the devil. It's in the shout. It's all in the shout. And that when you and I are doing what God's called us to do, every time we are doing it, we are destroying the devil's works. And that word destroy is such a simple word because when we were taking Greek in, in Bible college, uh, the word destroy was a little word in the Greek called luo. luo. And that word simply meant to untie. Wow. Untie. Say untie. untie. I have I've got these beautiful sweaters. You've seen some of them. Uh, and uh, my granddaughter came up to me. She said, Pop Pops, there's a string hanging out of your sweater. Let me just pull it. Well, it's a knitted sweater. If she had pulled it, she would have luoed my sweater. She would have destroyed it. The idea of destroying the works of the devil should not be thought of as some kind of atomic kind of thing, but you and I are sent into the world to untie the things that the devil has tied up. In Luke 13, Jesus walks into the, the synagogue and there's a woman in the synagogue and she's bent over like this and Jesus says, 
woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And they get upset with her. He's really saying, you're untied. And they said, you, you don't do that on the Sabbath day. Do it on any other Sabbath day. The problem with me with that is that they didn't do it on any other day. The other days they were subscribing to weren't days that they did it. But he says, look, he says, if you have an ox or if you have something that's tied up and fallen to the ditch, wouldn't you untie it? Wouldn't you untie your ox on the Sabbath day to go get water? You and I have been given this simple challenge that we can untie the devil's works. And we don't have to do it by trying to be explosive. We were worshiping. And we've been in worship services where the presence of, all we did was worship. All we did was sing. And when we got finished, we saw people set free. We saw people healed. We saw people giving money. (laughs) Untie. The goal that God has given you is to do the same thing that he's done. Untie. Destroy the devil's work. Destroy it. You're headed someplace. That building where God is sending you is just another opportunity to expand and and get delighted in the fact that God's called you to tie people to him, to tie people to one another, and to tie people to their purpose. And there is no greater thing that you all can do than, than what you do when I came in here worshiping. I got on my knees and I thought... Maybe I should just stay here for a while because there's something about worship that changes who we are. I was in South for a number of years in the deep South and one of the members of my church was a Southern white lady and she was really disconsolate and I, I said, honey, what's wrong? And she said, Brother Joseph. <laughs> she said, I'm just concerned about my boy. And I said, why are you concerned? She, she, I asked him, honey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he told me, Brother Joseph, he said he want to be a moanback man. And I said, a moanback man? I said, what is that? She says, that's what I asked him. And he said, you know when the garbage men come to our house and the guy jumps out of the truck and says, moanback, moanback. <laughs> I don't want him to be a garbage man. I said, he's not interested in garbage. He just likes trucks. Don't get confused about what your purpose is just because you see something and it's looking like something that's different. It could be the thing that God's called you to do. When you start thinking about some garbage men are making $80,000 a year, I'm back. Say purpose. Say purpose. I was in South Africa and um, looking at an aquarium. And in the aquarium is something that's called a rockfish. It, it was hideous. And I just said, I said these words. God, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know what God said? He said, I didn't make it for you. And then he dropped this scripture into my heart from Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. For thou hast created all things created and for thy pleasure they were created. God 
created us that when I am doing what he's called me to do, I give him pleasure. I can't, I can't stop ever thinking about chariots of fire when the guy is running and he's running and his, his sister is complaining because he's running. He says, he says, honey, he says, sister, he says, when God created me, he made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When you are doing what God's called you to do, you will feel the pleasure of God and you, had, and you will know that you have found the sweet spot. And for many of us, we're trying to be something that someone else is and we're not happy being that. And God is saying, you're not going to be happy until you get satisfied with who I called you and created you to be and to do what I've called you to do. I don't want to preach. He says, you don't have any options here. That's what you were created to do. See, this microphone can't wash dishes. That's not why it's here. You and I are in the will of God when we're doing what God's... Say, well, how do I find the will of God? I said, you tell him, God, I'll do anything. He says, okay. And I think that's how he's capturing the church in these days. He's got this little song that he's got all y'all singing. I stopped singing it. For your glory. There it is right there. And God heard you. You thought it was a song and it's a prayer. And you're talking to God. For your glory. God, why am I here? He said, you remember that song you sang last week? Yes, I'm getting you to your purpose. You're going to worship your way in. You're going to cry your way in. You're going to Drag your feet deep, but you're going to get in. Say, my purpose. Say it, my purpose. My purpose is to win the loss of Jesus Christ. You can do that in a whole lot of ways. Some people are gifted evangelists. They just know how to talk. Clarence Grant is a gifted evangelist. We will be on planes And if we're traveling for two hours, somebody next to him is going to get saved. And it will be that way. And I'm I'm, I'm not the kind of person. I'm not not like Clarence. Clarence will talk to a rock, I think, if just if if it. But there are people who are like they're 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 great at that. What what's your task? But every one of us has to be responsible for coming, getting somebody to the Lord. And we are called to be faithful, but we're called to be fruitful. The original call in the beginning, be fruitful and multiply. Say it, please. Be fruitful and multiply. You can multiply in ways that some people can never multiply. But if you get stuck and think, well, I I can only minister this way or I can't minister that way. If you are a dentist or if you are a physician, if you are a car mechanic, look, whatever it is you are, God can use you in your specific call. And there are people that you're going to reach that David and Nicole and John, you guys will never reach. And so... How do we get them? How do we get them into the purpose of God? How does that happen? And my, my heart needs to be, God, I want to be so open to what it is you've called me to be. And then he makes it so easy. Once in a while, we're on a plane and um, sitting next to my, my uh, young minister. And um, 
and we had been on a fast. We were just talking about Jesus. And, and the, the flight attendant, she says, I, I hate to disturb you, but I just listened to you. And she says, I've been sitting over here, and I feel this energy coming over. And I just, I, I, I'm embarrassed. She says, but she says, are you a holy man? I said, yes. <laughs> I said, I'm a bishop. And, and I just began talking to her. And, and as, I, as I was speaking to her, she started to cry. Now, I never said one word to her about Jesus. I never said, hey, do you want to know something about Jesus? Do you want to know the, four, the Roman road or anything? like?" She, she, but she was sensing God's presence. You can't just be in a place like this without carrying something from this place. And he's making it so easy for you to win the loss to Jesus Christ because there are people all around us who are desperate for what God has for them. You've got one purpose. It's walk out of this room and God said before the end of the day, let me just tell somebody Jesus loves them. He can make it happen. Number three, are you all still following me? Yes. Okay. I will best fulfill my purpose on a team. Jesus could have done it all by himself, but he chose not to. He chose 12, sent them out. He says, well, it's bigger than I thought. I got to get 70 more. Sent them out. Day of Pentecost, 3,000, still too small. The team is important. Somebody said Michael Jordan could never have become the greatest of all time basketball player without a team. He needed Scottie Pippen. And he needed Dennis Rodman. How do you need a Dennis Rodman? We don't know. Dennis, you need Dennis Rodman. Dennis, and maybe some of you don't know Dennis Rodman, but the, the, the point is, is that when we don't understand how important it is for God to have different gifts, diversities, different talents, different abilities, things that you can do that others can't do, or things that they can do that you can't do, we need each other father and mother, sisters and brothers. There's something that God's after in your, in your world and in your life that is going to involve another person and you won't be able to do it by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be able to do it by yourself. We can't do this. Yesterday, we met in a large park and 10 of our churches brought our musicians and our worshipers and, and our people together and we met in this park because the, the city leaders that says, we need, we need you guys to do something in our city. And they opened up the park to us and we worshiped. And it was the most amazing thing. The voices, the harmonies, the, the music, the presence. It was all there, but it couldn't have been there if only covenant was doing it. But now it's covenant, it's grace life, and it's gateway, and it's all of these other churches, and we're having this great time together. And it reminded me of an incident in which a young, uh, there, was, there was a picture of a, a, a guy holding his son's lifeless body in his arms and underneath the caption of the picture said if only we had held hands sooner and the story unfolded little boy about three years old in the middle of the 
the wheat season, walked off the porch into a wheat field and, uh, and got lost. And they, they searched for him, looked everywhere for him. People came everywhere. After, after about three days, the whole city came, and one guy said, let's hold hands and walk through the wheat field. And almost immediately they found him. But he was, he was dead. And that's when the dad said, if only we had held hands sooner. Our need is to understand how important it is to be joined to people and connected to people. And sometimes those people don't want you to hold their hands. And many times I said, I've been in service and I said, touch your name and say, man, if you touch me one more time, I'm going to break your finger. (laughs) But, But there are moments when I need to hold your hand. And it's a little bit strenuous in the days of COVID. But we're not going to be able to sort this out without being connected. We're a team. Say it, please. What was it? Your your meeting together, your your morning meeting was what? Team? Team rally. Team rally. Team. Why team? Why call it a team? Together, each accomplishes much. When we are together doing what we're supposed to do, you can't help but see growth take place. Let me press on. Number four, I will never be satisfied until I'm fulfilling my purpose. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. There's something that God's put in your heart that you cannot satisfy until you're doing what he's put in your heart to do. And so sometimes we use the word restless and God will get you in a place of restlessness because he wants to move you on to something else. And I've been in, I've been in wonderful places and, uh, I, was in, and I, I told you this story. My wife and I was living in, living in uh, another city and, um, and I, I felt like, hey, I got a great house, great car, great job, nice swimming pool in the back. I traveled, da-da-da-da, and the weather is warm, and I'm not too far from the beach. And, and, uh, and my wife asked me one day, she said, are you happy? And I started to cry. Because with all of the things that I thought would make life worth living, I had it all, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy because there are other things that God had put in my heart to do that I couldn't do. And I couldn't do it because, and I, I, I explain it like this. I'm, I'm in somebody else's house, but I'm trying to rearrange the furniture so I can be comfortable there. And every now and then, God will have you in a place, and I was in this place, in the purpose of God, in the will of God, to do what God was preparing me to do, and didn't realize that when you come to the end of your assignment, it's not going to get better. And you start to feel restless. And when you start to feel restless, you start to look and you you know, make something wrong with the place. Something wrong with the people. They're, They're nice people. They just didn't want to do church like I wanted to do church. Because what God had put in my heart was there. And it wasn't until I got into another place and I could hear worship and I could hear 
praise. I, in fact, God said this word to me. He said, son, you have an army, but half of your army is, is fighting with one arm behind their back. And I said, who would that be? He says, the women. Because in the setting where we were, women were not allowed to do some of the things that I thought women should do. Uh, well, women don't do that here. We, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. So, well. And I was becoming unhappy without realizing it because I was trying to fit in and to become. I'm not Southern. I'm just not, I'm not, I like greens and collard greens and stuff like that, but I'm not that. I'm, I'm, I just want to be who I am and fulfill the will of God. But when you stay too long beyond your place, then that's when the sense of restlessness becomes, it's not like the place is wrong. Is God is simply stirring up your nest as the eagle does. Honey, it's ready to fly. I don't. I like it right here. All right, I'll wreck the nest so that you have to fall out, and then you'll learn to fly, fly or die. Everybody say, fly or die. What God has put in your heart, if you're not aware of it, you need to get in touch with it. When people say to me, I just want to know the will of God. How hard is that? I said, it's not hard at all. I said, just tell him you'll do it. God, I'll do it. See, don't say to God, if you tell me what it is, I'll do it. He says, we don't work that way in heaven. <laughs> you don't get to evaluate. You get to say yes or no. Just tell me you'll do it and then I'll... I, and I, the reason it's important, I had a dream and in the dream, I... Uh, I I woke up and I just said, ah, I wonder what that meant. And I, and I explained it to my brother, my mom, and all these people. And so when I came to my brother, Paul, I said, I had this dream. And I said, but I, I said, I can't figure it out. He said, I said, what should I do? He said, tell God you'll do it. I said, I I'm not crazy. <laughs> I, I said, he could tell me anything. He said, he could. But he's not going to tell you until you tell him you'll do it. Why is that? Because God needs to know that, that you can trust him. He's not sitting in heaven or standing, looking over the balcony and saying, ah, cut that out, cut that out, stop that, stop bowling, no more television, don't go to the beach, no swimming. That's the church that I used to belong to. And that was the God I served. And so I was unwilling to say, I'll do your will, because I knew he's going to make me stop doing some of the things I enjoyed. And then one day I just said, God, for your glory. I didn't sing the song. I just said, God, I am so desperate. I don't care what it is. Yeah. Just don't make me go to Africa. <laughs> and that's all I've been doing since 1979. <laughs> I have no promise for tomorrow. Would you say that, please? Hebrews 9.27, and inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once and after this judgment. In 1962, 
in a Seattle hotel, Billy Graham awakened with an urge to pray for Marilyn Monroe. He made diligent efforts to reach her but encountered resistance. Two weeks later, she committed suicide. I have no promise for tomorrow. I have prophecies. I believe that they should be fulfilled. But I don't know if you've noticed, but some really interesting people have gone home to be with the Lord. I mean, people that you would imagine just said, I don't think it was their time. He said, but you don't, you're not the, the person who's in charge of the time. Yeah. Last year we were here, and my dear friend, Bishop Harry Jackson, was scheduled to come to the meeting where we were, and they said, he just dropped dead. He's gone. And when that happens, you have to start thinking about your own eternal purpose. What is it that you're doing right now? What is it that God's called you to do? What is it that he called you to do that you're not doing? What is it that you and I need to sit down and take a stock? Maybe take a day off, take a day off and fast and pray. Put a legal pad in front of you and just start writing down, God, what else is there in my life that's undone that I'm not doing so that I can get focused on it because there's a harvest out there and they're waiting to hear. There are people that God has assigned to you and you don't know who they are and you won't find it out until you just simply say, God, who's my next candidate? Who's, who's the next? Who's, who's in charge? And believe that you have, I don't want to get to heaven and hear God say, Joseph, you did okay for a while and then you got busy being successful. I love, I, I love compliments. But if you start believing all, especially the ones that you wrote, <laughs> somebody asked me, said, would you write, a, would you write a, a, a sketch for us to put on the air? And I said, no. I said, why should I do that? You write something. You write something about me. Well, you know who you are. I do. That's why I don't want to write it. I have no promise for tomorrow. Somebody today that you love isn't going to be here tomorrow. And it's amazing to me that the big thing that's, that's under attack with COVID-19 are the lungs. It's, it's the breath. Let, you quoted it. Let everything that hath breath. And what's the enemy attacking? Breath. How much time do you have? How much time? How much time do we have to do the will of God? We don't want to go to our next place and just say, now we can relax. No, now you got to get busy because there's something that God's up to that's going to require all hands on deck. Everybody ready. Say it. I have a purpose. My purpose is to win the loss to Jesus Christ. I can best fulfill my purpose on a team. I will never be satisfied. I will never be satisfied until I'm fulfilling my purpose. I have no promise for tomorrow. 
Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.